This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Man, I, lo- I love the, I love so much the truth of those lyrics. Um, man, I think there's, I think a lot of times we we feel like we're we're caught up and we're we're trapped and we're tight. And the the good news of the gospel is that there's freedom in Christ. Um, there's freedom in, in who God says we are. Uh, and so I, I pray that uh, we will all experience that more today. The freedom that Christ uh, brings to us and who uh, He says we are. So uh, so glad that you're here. Uh, with us this morning. I know that there's many things that could be going on right now. I know that ACL is in weekend number two, um, and I'm just glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, There's something incredible. Mike read from Hebrews 10, uh, the value of the church gathering together to build one another up. Uh, We need each other. We need each other to be who God's called us to be. Um, We need each other to, to build one another up, and we need each other to be able to go back out and live the life that Christ has come for us to live. And so uh, I'm grateful for each and every one of you to be here and to be a part of that. So last week we started a series of sermons that will work through the story of the Bible. Uh, The Bible is made up of 66 books uh, written by 40 authors spanning hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, multiple countries, multiple regions, just all all, all kinds of, of different seasons and walks of life. Yet in all of those stories, the 66 books are put together as one because it tells one story, one overarching story from Genesis from page one to Revelation page last. Um, It's one story from from beginning to end. And the story of the Bible is the story of a loving and holy God who pursues us to bring us back into a relationship with him through Jesus who came to fix what we broke. So he said that the story can be summed up by four different uh, sections or or headings. Uh, The first one is creation. Uh, The second one is the fall. Third is redemption, and then the fourth is new life. And so the story of the Bible, briefly, it it begins in the beginning when God created everything, the heavens and the earth, and everything that he made was good, including humanity. It was was not just good, it was very good, right? Everything was was perfect. The relationship between, between mankind and God was perfect. The relationship between each other was perfect, and with the world, everything was perfect. We see that in Genesis 1 and 2. That's where we've been last week and where we'll be again today. But then in Genesis 3, things start to fall apart, right? We live in a world that's not perfect, that's broken, and that starts from Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve take their eyes off of God, and instead of trusting and following God, they decide they can do their own thing. They're going to be their own boss, and they're going to go after their own ways, and and that's called sin. Anytime we put anything else above God, we follow after anything else before God. The Bible calls that sin, and it breaks our relationship with God. It separates us from him. What we earn for that sin, the Bible says, is death. We earn death. Physically, yes, but even more so spiritually, a separation from God because he's holy and he cannot be in the presence of sin. But God is loving and kind and merciful, and he did not leave us on our own. Instead, Jesus came to fix what we broke. Jesus came in the New Testament, starting in Matthew and then through Mark, Luke, and John, telling the story of Jesus to live a perfect life, the life we were supposed to live. And then he died on the cross at the end of the Gospels, it records, so that our sins could be sacrificed with him, so that we don't have to pay the punishment for our sins. And then he rose from the dead 
so that he's able, he's alive today to offer us new life if we trust in Christ and follow him. And that's the last part of the story. The book of Acts through Revelation, it tells the story of of people who have followed behind Jesus, who have trusted Christ to restore them back to God and are now living new lives in response to what Jesus has done. That's what we're invited into. That's the part that we get to run with and to play in this story. And it's not perfect, but one day it will be. One day Jesus will return and will complete the work of making all things right again. And so that's, that's the big story of the Bible. And we're reading anywhere in the Bible, we can, we can find ourselves in that story of what's happening. Is this before Jesus came when, when man's still trying to fix things? Or is this after Jesus came when now we're living in response to what Jesus has done? Are we reading about Jesus? And so the, we can read the whole Bible through that lens and we're better able to understand what the Bible is teaching and how we fit into that story. So last week we began where every story begins uh, in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And it tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that before there was anything, there was God, that God is eternal and he's infinite and he creates, he holds the waters in the palm of his hands and he stretches out the heavens with a span and he he puts every star in the galaxy and he names them each and and everything is weighed out just perfectly on the mountains and and the oceans and it's put just in its place because God is powerful and majestic and there's no one like this God and he's holy. He's absolutely set apart without sin, and he can't be in the presence of sin, and yet this God pursues us in love. He moves near by choice into a relationship with you and me. That's his desire, is to move near to us in love. It's what left the psalmist in Psalm chapter 8. Verses three and four, he said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Man, I think we have far too little a view of God and far too big a view of ourselves. And we have far too little a view of this God and far too big a view of ourselves. If I could encourage you with some homework this week, um, go out at sunset to Mount Bunnell and just watch. Like, don't, don't listen to things, don't talk, just look. And watch the sunset and look at the, the cliffs and look at the water and the trees and just know God made all of that. And he placed it right where he wanted to. And he sustains it, and yet he knows us. And if it's continuing to rain like it has the past month or so, um, I don't know, I enjoy the National Geographic like photos of the year. Those are pretty uh, stunning. So maybe just get on the computer and look at those instead. But um, just find somewhere where you look out like the psalmist did here and you can't help but notice how small you are. And then just, just listen to the voice of God that says, and I know your name. I know you and I move near towards you. That's an incredible God. So who, who are we? That's what the psalmist is asking, right? What is, what, what is man? Who am I? Who am I? And that, that's where we want to pick up today in the story of creation. Who is man? Who, what is our purpose? Why are we here? What are we living towards? We are smack dab in the middle of an identity crisis in our culture, right? Like totally up for grabs. Who, who is man, woman? What, what are we supposed to do? What's our purpose? What am I living for? Who gets to determine it? Who gets to say what, what, I'm, what I'm doing with my life? Who gets to call me who I am? Like, 
questions that just surround our culture. In elementary, they're starting to teach kids and just to explore those questions, right? Like, hey, you get to determine for yourself. You get to determine for yourself who you are. Like, we're just starting to see that just in our culture, and it's running wild. But there's something inside of us that wants to know that answer, right? Like, I think all of us are created with that way of, like, we want to know who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I living towards? And the reason being, because when we live according to our purpose, that's when we flourish. That's when life is the best. Things operate best when they operate according to the purpose for which they were designed, right? Things operate best when they operate according to the purpose for which they were designed. That's why we wanna know what our purpose is. If I go on Amazon and I order a camera because I'm gonna go to Mount Benel and I'm gonna take a picture of the sunset and then I get out there and I go to take pictures and it doesn't take pictures, there's nothing working, what are we gonna do? We're gonna send that thing back because it's broken, there's a malfunction, it's not operating according to its purpose and so get rid of this thing because things operate best according to their purpose. That's true for you and me as well. When we know our purpose and when we live according to that purpose, that's when life is best. That's when things operate best. And I wanna begin with the end and then work our way backwards. The end of this, who am I, what is my purpose, is that you are who your creator says you are. You are who your creator says you are and your purpose is what he designed you for. You're who your creator are, and your purpose is what he designed you for. St. Augustine has this beautiful quote I absolutely love. He said, you have, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you because he knows that we operate best when we're living according to the purpose that our creator has created us for. And so according to the Bible and the word of God, we are created by God and for God to walk in a loving relationship with him and to live lives that reflect his image and make his ways known to the world. That's your purpose. That is why you are here on October 14th, 15th? Where are we? Somewhere around there. 14th, right? Okay. October 14th, 2018, Austin, Texas. You are here to walk in a relationship with God to reflect his image and make his ways known to the world. That is your purpose in everything you do. So where do we get that? Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28. Uh, these are some of the most impactful and life-shaping verses in the Bible. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do have one, um, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter one. Uh, so page one, uh, very beginning. It will be in verses 26 through 28 primarily. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, verses will be on the screen. There's also Bibles, uh, just for future reference, on the table when you come in. I invite you to grab it. If you don't have a Bible, take it home. Uh, if you have a friend who doesn't have a Bible or a roommate, take it and give it away. Uh, we just want people to have these words. We believe the Bible is true from beginning to end. And so we want to pull from here on what God says. And so Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, let's read it together. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so right here in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, we see in God's story our purpose, the reason that God created man, the reason that God created you and me, and it is to live in the image of God to reflect God through our lives and to make his ways known across the world. Verse 27, we see several things that that this teaches us. Um, The first thing is that we are created. We are created. So God said in verse 27, God created man. We are the created. Let me, um, I have some modeling clay here. Who's an artist? Who, who, Who feels like they're an artist? We got back there? All right, you ready? We're just gonna, that's it. That's it, right there, perfect. Well done, good catch. So hey, just start, just take that out, use whatever colors, I think there's eight different colors. Man, the, the world is your oyster. Is that a phrase? The world is your oyster? Something. something like that, okay. That modeling clay is your oyster, man, just go to town, make us something. Like create a beautiful um, statue or something, I don't know. Uh, just make us something there, we'll, we'll catch up in a little bit, all right, you good? Perfect. So. The first thing we see in our purpose is that we are created. God created man. The temptation that we'll see next week in Genesis 3 and the temptation that you and I feel every day is we want to be our own boss, right? Like we don't want someone else telling us what to do with our lives or where to go or who I am or who to see or how to act. Like we, we want to do our own thing. right? Like no, no, no one else puts that on me. That is the world we live in. It's my choice. It's my life. I get to do with myself what I want to do with myself. I get to be who I want to be. In the poem Invictus by William Ernest Henley, he famously quoted this, and I think this is the mantra of the United States. I think this is the mantra of Austin, Texas to a T. He said, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Man, is that not the heartbeat of our culture? I set my own course. I'm gonna do what I want to do with my life. I'm gonna be who I want to be with my life. I'm gonna identify how I want to identify with my life. I'm gonna eat what I wanna eat. I'm gonna drink what I wanna drink. I'm gonna be with who I wanna be with. I'm gonna listen to what I wanna listen to. I'm gonna say what I wanna say. I'm gonna have a job and whatever I wanna have a job with. I am the captain of my soul, right? No one else sets this course for me. That, that is the world we live in, right? That is, and I think in particular, in Austin, that is the, that is the idol that we seek after, is self-autonomy. I'm, no one else is gonna tell me what to do with my life. It's my life. Yet, that's not how created things work. Created things don't speak back to the creator and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing. Like, I got this, right? I'm gonna live my own life. I got, that's when things go bad. H- haven't you ever seen a movie with, with artificial intelligence? And then when the computer gets too smart for the man and starts telling back to the inventor, like, hey, this is how we're gonna do the life, and then the whole world blows up and there's like one remaining person in the whole world? That's just Will Smith, I think. I forgot what that movie is, but that's what I'm thinking of, right? So when the created speaks back to the creator, things go bad. Things fall apart. Things get, get ugly real quick because that's not how things work. 
All right, Jackson, you got something back there for us? It's in progress. It's, in pro- it's okay, come on up, bring it up here. It's okay, just bring it up real quick. It's okay though, it's okay. For, for this, we'll let you finish. Let's everybody, let's give Jackson a round of applause. Come on, come on buddy. Let's see, do we, okay. No, no, it's, it's cool, hold on a second. Hold on, don't, don't say anything. So, it's in progress y'all, it's in progress, okay? So, what, what do we have here? Let's have some, some guesses, what do we got? Snowman? Christmas? Christmas. Oh my goodness. Ice cream? Is that here, ice cream? Somebody, okay, what, what, anybody over here on the, on the right side, what do we got? BBA Star Wars. Who? BBA? R2-D2. The new one, I haven't seen the new ones, I'm behind. I know, I know, so okay, so what do we have? Going for a snowman. Going for a snowman, we have our correct guess over here. So, we'll, so here's, the, here's the reality though, none of what you say matters. The only thing that matters is what Jackson says it is, right? Because he's the, he's the creator, he's the designer. So yes, it's, it's going for a snowman, it's missing the head, it's a work in progress, right? But, but really what you and I have to think and say like, oh I think it's this, it doesn't matter because we're not the creator. What's even worse is if the clay were to speak up and be like, hey, really, I think that I am, you know, my creativity just blanked right there, nothing. Like, I got nothing, <laughs> just total blank, right? But that, if the clay speaks up right now and starts chiming in, I'm just, I'm dropping it and I'm stepping away. Like, I'm done with the day, right? Because that's not how created things work. The created doesn't speak to the creator and say, no, Jackson, I don't wanna be a snowman. I want to be this. That's not how, thank you, Jackson, well done. You can finish, yeah, you can work on your snowman. Way way to go. So, I think the point is made there, right? The created does not get to speak to the creator and say, hey, this is how I'm gonna, this is what I'm gonna be. That's just true in life with things that we make. And yet, we want to speak to our creator and tell God, hey, this is who I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do my own thing. I, I know you're saying this, but really I'm gonna be in charge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set my own course. I'm the captain of my own soul. And in case you're thinking like, oh, that's true for Adam and Eve, but not for me and you, right? Like it's true for them, but then it's just like nature takes over and, and we're just a, a product of that. Colossians 1, 16 says, all things were created by God and for God. All things, this is the New Testament. So this same principle from Genesis 1 is happening in Colossians chapter 1. All things were created by God and for God. We are who he says he is. Done. We are the created. He is the creator. So God has created us. What for? In his image. In his likeness, that's what he says. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. It's repeated in verse 27. God created man in his own image. Our purpose in life, God says who we are. He, de- he determines our purpose. And our purpose is to reflect God and his ways to the world around us. I am to be an image of God. He's given me this unique ability and privilege to display his character and his relational aspects to the world around us. I get to live out the image of God. That is my purpose, to reflect him. I have a mirror here, right? 
There, there, was a lot, there was a lot of thought that it was an ironing board earlier. It's not an ironing board. It's a mirror, right? And so what is this? This mirror's purpose is to reflect an image, right? So if I'm in front of this mirror, then I'm seeing the image being reflected. If this arm goes up, then I see it in the mirror. The arm goes up. If that arm doesn't go up, then something's wrong, right? Like something's broken with this mirror. Again, I'm out. And so the mirror's purpose is to reflect the image of what is in front of it. And so if, let's see, from here, okay, there we go. When you look at the mirror, you can see the reflection. You see its purpose reflecting the image. God has set us up that when people look at us, they see the reflection of God through us. They, they see God in our lives. Now, in order for my image and my reflection to be in the mirror, I've got to be near the mirror. If, if the mirror is over here, but I'm doing my thing over here because I'm setting my own, I'm the captain of my own soul. How am I going to reflect the image in that mirror when I'm, when I'm over here doing my own thing, right? God's created us to walk closely in relationship with him, to be near him so we can know him and know his ways and so that we can reflect his image in our lives to the world around us. So that when I speak, people should hear more often than not the words of God's with the words of my mouth. So that when I'm, when I'm doing something, people should start to see the characteristics of God through my actions. When, I, when I'm out with my friends, that I'm demonstrating and imaging the image of God to the world around me. That is my purpose, is to display God in my life at all times, in all places, among all people, to image God. So my question for you, is your life imaging who God is? Do the words that you say, do they line up with the words of God? Do the, do the way you treat people, does it line up with the way that God treats people? Are your thoughts, are they thoughts that God would have? Are your actions when, when no one's around and no one knows, are they the same actions that God would have? Our purpose, the way that life operates best, our purpose is to live out the image of God in our lives. That's why we're here. That's when our life will, will thrive and flourish. It's when we're walking in the image of God. So God created male and female in his image. There's so much to be said in this. There's so much depth and meaning in the fact that God has stamped his image in your life. That he has uniquely created you to display his image. Nothing else in creation gets this attention and this value and this focus, right? Up to this point, the, the, the rhythm was let it be and it was and it was good. And now God gets to mankind and the tempo changes, the cadence changes, the key in the song, it changes, right? Like in, in that song where, when, you, when you're going and it kind of stops for a second, the key changes and he's like, okay, here we go. Now the song's getting real, right? Like you know that point in the song, that's what happens in creation where God's moving and moving and then it stops for a second and then for the first time he says, let us, right? He starts to talk among himself, Father, Son, Spirit. Let us make man in our image. For the first time in all of creation, it's the only thing made in his image. Nothing else is made in God's image, just mankind. And for the first time in all creation, before that it was good. God, God made it and it was good. Now God makes mankind in his image and it's very good. There's value and purpose and, and, and just intrinsic worth in every human being because every human being is made in the image of God. 
Every one of us has the image of God stamped on us. His fingerprints worked into our DNA. That gives us value and worth. And not just some people, but all people. You see that right? God made man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Male and female. You see, God created humankind that was the same, yet different. And they were both created in God's image. Not some, not, and, and not the others, but all were made in his image, right? Every single one of us. I was wondering, like, why did God do that? Like, this was before anything. God had creative rights to do whatever he wanted, and he chose to make male and female. He chose to create diversity. Why? I think there's a lot that can be said in this, but what we know is that we're made in the image of God, and God, the one God, is a diverse God, Father, Son, Spirit. Right? He, he operates in sameness in that he's God, and yet also difference in that he's Father, Son, and Spirit. And so the three different work together in complete unity and love and care as one. And so if we're created in his image of God, I think God intends that we are going to work together with a diverse group of people to be one family, to love each other in the same way that God loves himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. From the very beginning, God had diversity in his mind and that every person would be given value because they're made in his image. Now I realize in these texts, there's some controversial things that can be brought up. There's some questions of like, okay, male and female and, and gender equality, and then there's some questions on sexuality and identity and how do all this fit, and, and there's not enough time to get into all these issues today. And so here's what I just wanna say. No matter where you land, you are valued and respected here. You are welcomed and wanted. And I would expect that you would treat others around you, regardless of if they di di disagree on where you land, with value and respect, because God has given every person value and care and respect. And I'll say up front, I don't have all the answers. You know, right? I don't know, and so I know where I land today, but I also know that, man, I'm still learning, and God may open my eyes, and I may have gotten it wrong, and so if you, if you have something that you're like, hey, you should read this or listen to this or study this, please send it to me. Because as a church, we, we wanna know what God is teaching and we wanna get it right. But what I do know is that God created on purpose in the beginning diversity. And that every single person that God created, no matter how different and unique they are from you, has value because God says so. And so men and women are created equally before the Lord with value and worth because God said so. And every race and tongue and tribe and nation and language has the same value and worth because God has created each person with value in his image in them. And the unborn baby in the womb, I know this is a hot topic, but I just can't get past, that is life. And so because it is something that Psalm 139 says God is forming in the womb, then God has put his image on the unborn baby and there is value and worth in that baby. And so, and for those who are born with disabilities and, and with, with um, mental challenges, right? Like those are, those pe there are people made in the image of God. It doesn't matter that they're different than us. It doesn't matter that they're unique because I'm different and I'm unique and we're all created in the image of God. Every single person. 
I don't get to look down on because I'm equally created by God. I'm equally created with value and with the image of God as the other person. And so this, man, the Bible gives so much worth to people. More worth than anything else I believe on the planet. This ought to, this ought to fill us with compassion and generosity towards every person around us. It ought to fill us with a humble confidence that God has created me in his image. And it ought to fill me with the joy that God designed me to walk with him. The God of this world has created me in his image to walk with him. And it doesn't matter what gender or age or story, what you came in here with, what you leave here with. It doesn't matter where, where your identity is or what your political view is. Like, like you're, you're valued because God has created you in his image. You have value. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise and don't treat anyone less because we are made in the image of God. That is our purpose. That is why we are here. So I want to give just a couple more things um, to, to wrap it up. Verse 28 then says, and God blessed them. I don't know that I ever really paid attention to that, that sentence. And God blessed them. God creates man and woman in his image, and then God blessed them. Why? Like, what, what, what does that mean? And what we see from Genesis 1:28, what we see throughout the rest of the Bible, is that we need God to move in us first. John, in, in, in John chapter 3, John the Baptist says, we don't have anything that God hasn't first given to us. Everything we have, the breath in our lungs, the, the physical abilities we have, the clothes that we have, the car that we drove here in, the, the bed that we slept in last night, everything that we have, according to John chapter 3, God has given to us. God blesses us so that we can then go out and be a blessing to others. Because without him moving in our lives, we can't do anything. In John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need his movement in our lives in order to now go live out the purpose that he created us for. We need him to give us that power and that strength. In Acts chapter one, Jesus gathers up his crowd after the resurrection and he says, hey, before we get started, go gather up in Jerusalem because I'm gonna fill you with my power. The spirit of God is going to come and live inside of you so that you can go and live out the purpose that we created. If God doesn't first bless us, we can't live out the purpose that he's created us for, but he does. He blesses us and he gives us the power within him to us to go and to live out the purpose that he's created us for. And then he tells us, what does that look like? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God has in mind from the very beginning that the entire world, all people in all places, would be filled with image bearers, with, with people who would represent God's image in their lives and to the world around them. And so in the very beginning, he commissions Adam and Eve, and he sends them out, and he says, to all people in all places, lead them to represent me in their lives. Lead them to walk with me, to completely cover the world with people who walk with me and represent my ways to the world around them. We, we get that same commission in the New Testament, right, where Jesus sends us out to make disciples. And so is God talking literally here about having babies? 
Yes, in a sense, God is physically talking about having babies. He had in mind that Adam and Eve would walk with God and reflect his image and then have babies that they would teach to walk with God and reflect his image. And eventually those babies would leave their father and mother and get married and have babies that would walk with God and reflect his image and so on and so forth, right? Like we we get that picture. So yes, God is talking to parents and saying, your first job as a parent is to lead your children to walk with me and to reflect his image. That is our first responsibility as a parent. So if you're a parent, that's our job. If you're not a parent, odds are you will be one day. That's your job when you have kids, to lead them to walk with God and to reflect his image. But not everybody has kids, right? Not everybody gets married. And so he's not just talking about that. He's mostly talking about a spiritual family that we would move outward and invite people to be a part of the family of God, to reflect God's image in their lives. It's the commission for you and me. We live out our purpose when we move outward and invite people in, when we multiply the presence of God into the world around us. We went to this conference this last week, and one of the the guys gave a stat that 70% of people would come with us to church or to community group, or if we would just invite them, they would come with us. 70% of people. I think God has in mind that we should always have people we're inviting in, into our lives, to to come and to see Jesus with us, to trust Christ and to follow him. Who are you inviting into your life? Who's not here today that you could invite to come with you so that maybe they could hear who Jesus is and trust and follow him? Who has got place in your apartment complex or as a neighbor down the street or in the cubicle around you or in your class that, that God wants you to invite into your life so that you can tell them how they can live out the purpose that God created for them? Because this is the purpose that God gives us. We're going to know him more, most and thrive in our lives when we're living out this purpose. So who has God put in your life to invite in? He intends that you and me would fill the earth and subdue it cover it, wrap it up with people who would know God and follow him. The second thing that he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Have dominion. Dominion's not a a word we use a whole lot. Like, I I can't remember the last time I just used it in everyday conversation. But dominion, it, it goes with the kingdom, right? It's rule and reign. To have dominion is to rule and reign over something. And so the Bible teaches that God is the king of this world, and this is his kingdom, and that he rules and reigns in this world. And then he entrusts you and me to be his representatives in the world, to to rule and to reign, to have dominion in the same way that God does, to protect and care for and serve and love the world around us in the same way that God does. A couple things, just real quick, um, that that God shows us in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, One is that he he works for our good. At the very end of Genesis chapter 1, right, God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. The world that God creates, the kingdom that God creates, the kingdom that he, he places us into was meant to be good. And so our motive, what we do, our motivation should be for the good of others. Like, we should be working for the good of the world. We should be working for the good of the planet. We should be working for the good of of animals and and other people's lives. Like all of these things that God created, he he placed us into so that we could represent his good ways in the world. Our motivation should be for the good of others. And then God gives Adam a job. Verse 15, 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Y'all, work is a good thing. It was in the Bible before sin existed. God designed us to not be lazy, but to work hard, to keep the world around us, to invest into society for the good of others, that God's image would fill the world. So whatever job you have, whatever vocation you set out for, if you're a student, if you're um, a teacher, if you're a doctor, if, if you're a pastor, whatever it is, we all have the same purpose, to work and keep the world that God's created that we could expand his influence to the world around us. Our jobs have purpose. The season of life you have, you're in, it has purpose. In the same way that God worked and he created this world where people could thrive and flourish, God now says, hey, go work. Go, go, go work and keep a world where people can thrive and flourish and they can know who God is and they can live in his image. God's created us for that purpose. Are you living that purpose out? Are you working hard unto the Lord as Colossians says? Are you submitting your life to his will? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and it was all good. And he created man and woman and created us with the image of God. That our purpose would be to reflect him and his ways to the world around us. That all people in all places would know him and follow him. And that we would keep and work a world that is good where people can thrive and flourish. That's God's design for us. That's your purpose here today. I think we all know that none of us have lived up to that perfectly, right? Like none of us reflect God's image perfectly. If it was to all be just displayed in a movie, you know, we'd be like, okay, let's cut out all of that because it's not gonna reflect God well. Like none of us fulfill it perfectly. But the message of the Bible in, in the Old Testament is looking ahead to someone who would come and fulfill it perfectly. Jesus, who would be the perfect human being, who would live perfectly in the image of God. There wouldn't be a word he spoke that doesn't reflect God's character. There wouldn't be an action he did that didn't reflect God's image. There wouldn't be a motivation that wasn't for the good of others, that, they, that the world would know God and follow after him. Jesus comes and he lives this perfectly. Why? So that he can live it in our place. Because God expected you and me to do it. And we don't. And so Jesus comes and he does it in our place. And then the innocent, perfect one dies on a cross so that our shortcomings, our guilt, could be, could be crucified with him. The punishment for sin could be nailed to the cross with him. And then he, he rises from the dead. Jesus is alive today. He's not dead. He's alive, and that's so that he can give us new life so that today, you and me, we can begin one day after another to increasingly grow in the image of God in our life. Romans 8 says we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Our goal is to look more and more and more and more like Jesus. God made man. That's our purpose, to reflect his image. Jesus is our model. He's done it for us, and now we trust and follow him. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. In the image of God and his likeness to reflect his ways to the world around us.
That's the invitation. And in Jesus, we're made able to do that. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active. That, that, that we're designed to respond to what God says here. It's designed to move us. So I just want to invite you to take a second and listen. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking into your life about your purpose to live in his image? How is he affirming you? How is he challenging you? Is he inviting you to trust Jesus for the first time and, and let Jesus make you new and let Jesus reshape you more and more to the image of God? Just take a second, you and God, and respond to him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.